नमस्ते सो वी कंटिन्यू द सीरीज ऑन राइटिंग्स ऑफ शिविंदो एंड वी हैड पॉस्ड फॉर सम टाइम बिकॉज ऑफ ट्रैवल एंड नाउ वी टेक अप द बुक विद विच आई डीपली कनेक्ट द वेरी फर्स्ट बुक दैट हैड कम इन टू माई हैंड सॉरी फॉर द पर्सनल नोट बट इट इज वन बुक विच आई डू बिलीव बिकॉज ऑफ डायरेक्ट एक्सपीरियंस दैट द बुक कंटेन्स not just words i'm sure this is with all of shervindus books but with this book it happened that it has the power to transmit the experience which is embodied within it so that is something very beautiful i i feel this is true of all of mothers uh, and shervindus works so the other day i was contemplating on this as an aside uh, mother says the age of religions is over so she was not making a statement she was not even making a prevision she was giving a command to the age and once she speaks time begins to unfold that which she has spoken that's why mother and shubhinda were so careful in uttering certain things and shubhinda said that uh, if i speak the forces begin to uh, because now it's there manifested in the universe and it's open and exposed so very often there is a lot which is concealed which the words become a medium to enter into that it's not just the spirit that is concealed but the consciousness from which all this has flown like the mighty ganges so i often regard shubhindo's works as the mighty rivers or the ganges streaming down from the himalayan heights to which he had risen so for us climbing to mount everest is difficult but it's easy to take a dip in the ganges so so these are this is the ganges which has a purifying transforming effect so what about the mother mother is everything and everywhere <laughs> so uh, of course that's a way of looking at it we can look at in so many ways so the synthesis of yoga as we know was serialized in the area from 1914 to 1921 and just as the life divine gave a metaphysical background to what shirbindo had seen realized and wanted us to know in terms of what we may call his philosophy i don't like to use the word system of philosophy because it's not a system but something which is open ended so it's a philosophy if we enter into it it leads us to the doors of the infinite and the eternal it's not a fixed system and the synthesis of yoga provides the practical basis so those who want to understand know a little bit about uh, what does shivinda has to say about man the universe creation creator uh, how they connect the journey the evolutionary march of mankind rebirth the atman the soul the self brahman ishwara shakti maya the life divine those who want to experience and realize the synthesis of yoga but with a little caveat and the caveat is this that shirbinda himself said that the synthesis of yoga is not meant to give practices but it is meant to give the basis behind the practices so it is a book of practice there are enough practical things here but it gives the basis on what ground should we make the 
you know, undertake whatever practice we are going to do. And this is very important. Otherwise, when we read um, letters on yoga are full of practices. But if you just read the letters on yoga without this background, we are likely to fix it with the human mind into a fixed system. And that's where Shubhendra starts. We have these five main big chapters or sections of the book. The first is introduction and conditions of the synthesis. Of course, synthesis of yoga. So, what are the conditions? What is the meaning by the term synthesis? Because the synthesis itself may mean different things. Nowadays, particularly, uh, the term divine life has already been patented by a whole group. The term integral yoga has been also, there was an attempt to patent. And I had a big discussion with someone. He continued to say, no, 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 integral yoga is uh, already there in Paramahansa Yogananda and here and there. I said, excuse me, <laughs> don't put words which are not there either in Shurabindo or in their writings. Because fortunately I had read those writings which he was referring to. So at the end, no, no, but this means that. I say, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> so, so you see, it's important to understand. I have also heard people speak on synthesis and well-meaning people, apparently well-grounded, who said in a big meeting, the synthesis of yoga is a yoga which includes the body, life, mind and soul and spirit. Therefore, it is hot yoga plus pranayam plus meditation. <laughs> plus, 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 plus. And I had difficult time. He was a very respected person, very dear friend also. So I, had, so I said, look here, please. <laughs> That's exactly what Shabindu does not mean and he clarifies it and we will come to that. Uh, then there was another very uh, bit of a funny incident. Uh, so there was a another talk in another place. Um, so there was a Swamiji who had come from somewhere. And people have this idea that if you wear an ochre robe or a white robe or a black gown or whatever, you can speak on anything. You are now a Brahmagyani. <laughs> so people asked him that what is meant by uh, all life is yoga. So... He said, very simple. Everything is yoga only. You are eating, it is yoga. You are sleeping, it is yoga. He is saying, everything anyways is yoga. Which is subconscious yoga, obviously. So I asked him that, have you read the synthesis? He said, no. I said, then you, this sentence comes there. And he spoke about all life is yoga. Uh, why? Because this sentence had touched me very deeply. One was Shurabindo's name when I came across this book. I can't resist uh, sharing some of these uh, beautiful things. And when I opened the book, I read All Life is Yoga and I felt all my queries are answered. That whatever I ever wanted to know, the path that I wanted to undertake must be here. Because of this one sentence which appears in the, I don't know now because uh, new editions, but in the older ones, SABCL and from that they had taken out the books. So there was this All Life is Yoga by Shurabindo. And there have been seminars and all kinds of things. People have spoken, uh, you know, different things. But here we will see exactly from the source what he means by the word All Life is Yoga, by the phrase All Life is Yoga. So it's a wonderful book and my personal connect, as I said, was it was the first book that Shurabindo gave in my hands and literally every chapter I would read, I would start having an experience and it was like totally mind-boggling, <laughs> awe-inspiring and I was so lost because I was wondering what is this happening 
<laughs> I couldn't even that time had didn't have the mental acumen to even express what I was experiencing. I would just become very quiet. And for hours I'll be quiet because something is happening inside which I can't describe. Uh, I was fortunately or unfortunately married. Fortunately because my wife understood he is still sane. Unfortunately because everybody else felt he is going to take sannyas. He is going to leave everybody and time to time will nudge me that uh, you know with nice food and all as if I am enjoying it or not. Have I really? But I couldn't just help it. It's such a book, such a wonderful book, such a powerful book. So it has five basic uh, big sections. One is introduction, the conditions of the synthesis, where he takes us through a quick resume of the evolutionary journey. And the second is the yoga of divine works, which should be always said is the first, most, is the one of the best ways to enter into his yoga. Uh, so there are two ways he said one could enter into this yoga. One is being grounded in Vedanta. And he himself says, my teaching starts in one of his letters to Maharani of Baroda that my teaching starts with the ancient Vedantic teaching that there is one reality. But practically he has said, those who have practiced the yoga of the Gita, they can enter into it very beautifully, very swiftly. Of course, there is a difference between the yoga of the Gita and the yoga of divine works as he reveals here. And when we come to that, we will see the difference. So the yoga of the Gita is the uh, what Shobindu calls is the ordinary karma yoga, where karma is a means to uplift a consciousness, to purify, refine it, and eventually to discover the inner freedom while engaged in works. This is the yoga of the Gita. Whereas yoga of divine works, as the name itself implies, is to not only be free inwardly, but to do the divine works in the world, conscious of the divine will and its impact upon the instruments through which the divine will is pouring upon the world. So there is a difference. Then it comes, the next is the yoga of integral knowledge. Here again we see there is a difference between the traditional Jnana Yoga, which is about discovering the self. So I have a Hindi, in, a, in Hindi I put it like that in one of the songs that I had written, Sar Bhitum. So Sar is the essence. So Jnana Yoga is that discover the essence. Bulla ke jana mein So you discover who you are. Who am I? It's a great discovery. But who am I must be complemented with what is this world? So, sar bhitum, sansar bhitum. So, integral knowledge is not just the knowledge of the self, <clears throat> but self as it manifests through the manifold activities in creation. That's why we see something very interesting in Shurabindo's, um, you know, when he speaks about the four great goddesses, uh, which initially... I think many people, uh, at least I was surprised when I saw Maheshwari and not my favorite deity at that time, Mahasaraswati, as the goddess of uh, knowledge. But uh, then I realized learning and the manifold activities, the detailed knowledge is Mahasaraswati and the larger lines is Maheshwari. So Maheshwari lays the large blueprint. She lays the blueprint of the creation. But the details which are more important, that's how the blueprint will be executed. The bricks to be laid, how they have to be laid exactly, how they have to be cemented, the color, the, the interiors, everything is Mahasaraswati. So, integral knowledge is that knowledge which is not only the knowledge of the one, but also of oneness in multiplicity. So that when we come to that, we'll see. I don't want to rush through this book. 
सो देन देर इज द योगा ऑफ डिवाइन लव सो हियर अगेन वी सी शोविंदो डिस्टिंग्विश बिटवीन द ट्रेडिशनल भक्ति द ट्रेडिशनल भक्ति स्टॉप्स एट डिस्कवरिंग द डिवाइन बिलविड विद इन यू एंड देन यू आर इन एक्सटेसी हु वुड वॉन्ट टू कम बैक टू द वर्ल्ड आफ्टर दैट the mother once describes that how she would walk in the guest house in the veranda with uh, uh, shri krishna it was so beautiful and then next was with shorbindo he came shri krishna was replaced by shorbindo they are two or one uh, several ways several places mother has explained that and then even that experience was taken away from her then she says oh is it i'll walk with the supreme <laughs> it's so that <laughs> he says i understood basically it is such a beautiful state who would want to walk <laughs> so shri krishna went away that no no she is now in that delight that shorbindo she called and shorbindo was there but shorbindo realized that she has to step out into work and then shorbindo also withdrew then he said doesn't matter i'll walk with the supreme <laughs> till the supreme himself gave the command to turn toward the earth there are so many places you know amrita when he once uh, ashurvindo uh, mira devi as she was called at that point of time shubhendra has even written her name as m i r a mira devi in some of the letters so both spellings are correct m i r a and m i r a because shubhendra has sanctified it with his own writing so he said uh, Mira Devi is a great yogin, isn't it? Shrimadhi said, "Yes, very great indeed." He said, "But she doesn't give meditation. She used to remain. Mother never used to come out easily." Or she said, "Yes, but one day, impelled by the divine love, she would come out into the world, and that indeed will be a very great day." So it is divine love which. loves god not only within but loves god in this creation loves god in man and beast and bird and stone and sky and mineral and gods and titans and discovers him and his rapture and serves him because love that does not translate into acts of service is obviously incomplete so love comes as the crown so we see divine works integral knowledge and divine love then after laying all this foundation he comes to the yoga of integral self perfection so if you read the editor's note <clears throat> sometimes these notes can be unnecessary misleading uh, yes i say this with responsibility because uh, if you read the note the note says that um, he wrote this since each installment was written immediately before its publication the work was left incomplete when the arya was discontinued okay so if somebody who has not gone through the book oh this is an incomplete book the work was left incomplete now this occurs again shurvindu never attempted to complete the synthesis he did however lightly revise the introduction thoroughly revise all of part 1 and significantly revised several chapters of part 2 more than 30 years elapsed between the first appearance of the synthesis in the arya and the final stages of its incomplete incomplete revision as a result there are some differences of terminology well that apart so the incomplete part is the last part the yoga of integral knowledge 
and what part is incomplete if you read uh, through the chapters shobindu is writing the supramental time vision now if somebody has reached to a point where one can experience even a little bit of what that supramental time vision is where you have not only the triplicity of time in your all comprehending consciousness but you also simultaneously experience what forces are being deployed at the given moment so it's not just the trikal drishti as we know of the rishis but also the ritchit of the moment it's an amazing vision and i can understand i mean what would he write if he had to write after this so it's a long long journey through which shobindu takes us in wonderful journey and i do believe that people who want to take up the practice of yoga this should be a first read and then or a simultaneous read along with of course the mother and letters on yoga the mother with letters on the mother letters on yoga and of course savitri and prayers and meditation which are like permanent companions for those who want to take up this yoga so as we know this lays the background <clears throat> and this background is so wonderful so people may say okay i'll read the live divine for the philosophy actually you don't have to because in the first five chapters the conditions of the synthesis he very quickly from the practical standpoint he covers a lot of background he doesn't use terms like brahman all that will come when he speak about the integral knowledge he'll speak about brahman he'll speak about ishwara he'll speak about maya everything will come here but he will give us a beautiful quick background and we'll read a little bit of that so there are five chapters and um, we start with the first chapter in fact here there is much more i i this my personal uh, take on it for instance there is a whole chapter on the anand brahman you know you don't find that in the life divine of course he speaks about it it's there in the upanishad raso vaisaha but shrivita takes pains to describe what is anand brahman what is that raso vaisaha of the kena upanishad so here we have the very first chapter introduction the conditions of the synthesis and it starts in such a way you feel that here is the divine master like the himalayas with a 360 degree and the circular degree and beyond now he starts in i want to read this um, quite a few pass- lines from this very first passage just to give a feel of how shirbindo starts the chapter is life and yoga there are two necessities of nature's workings which seem always to intervene in the greater forms of human activity whether these belong to our ordinary fields of movement or seek those exceptional spheres and fulfillments which appear to us high and divine every such form tends towards a harmonized complexity and totality which again breaks apart into various channels of special effort and tendency only to unite once more in a larger and more pusa synthesis now this lays the background as a doctor i i mean i would say that you know as an mbbs you have a larger harmonious view of the human but then you specialize 
I often say that, you know, being a specialist is not necessarily an advantage. And I've seen, you know, you have a pain abdomen, simple thing. You go to a gastrointestinal surgeon. Now, he is looking at it as appendicitis. is very keen. <laughs> you go to a gastrophysician. He looks at it differently. Maybe there is just a gastritis. Maybe there is just a little infection. I'm telling you the facts. You go to a cardiologist. He will say, we must rule out. Maybe there is a cardiac problem. We must get the enzymes even though <laughs> there is the possibility of acid reflux. You go to a psychiatrist and he will say it's all in the mind. Okay. So, <clears throat> so specialization has its advantages. But also it must keep returning back and keep the larger picture. Now this he will apply to yoga. So the specialized systems of yoga, while they seem very good because it's like a shortcut but the disadvantage is it loses the yoga that is going on in creation going on in nature and takes you away from this field secondly development into forms is an imperative rule of effective manifestation so form is here not only physical but psychological so people say what should be the practice in this yoga so someone may say do nam jab so that's a form. Another person may say, you do meditation. And so much time, this is the process. That's a form. So he's saying, development into forms is an imperative rule of effective manifestation. Yet, all truth and practice, too strictly formulated, becomes old and loses much, if not all, of its virtue. It must be constantly renovated by fresh streams of the spirit, revivifying the dead or dying vehicle and changing it, if it is to acquire a new life. And this happens to every form. See, when you come to ashram, in the beginning you go to the samadhi, forget about living here, first time when you come from far, you know, when you go to samadhi, you are like thirsty for ages. And you feel that every drop, every moment that you spend here is eternal. I remember someone who spoke to Usha Ben, Usha Patel, who was um, so Hasungbai, he was sharing with me. I told her, I, he, she asked him, are you coming to Pondicherry? He says, I don't know, I have just one day in between, uh, I have to fly back, but I have a day. I am just thinking, he said, don't think. Even if for half an hour you come, so he came. So he said, I, what a power, you know, just even for half an hour. Yes, it happens. Then the second day, it's nice. Third day, you start observing the people. <laughs> Fourth day, Now, if you start living here, there is a tendency to get into a mechanical routine. So it must be revivified. It becomes a lifeless ritual or a soulless mechanical routine. I have gone to ashram and I have paid, done my duty. I have paid my debt to God as the mother says. It must, fresh life must be brought into it. Nature has its own ways of bringing fresh life. Sometimes an experience which shakes you. So you bring fresh life. Ma, ma, ma. Suddenly, now it comes from the heart, not just from the... So, but anything which is too strictly formulated, including Namjap, which is so powerful. But the mother spoke about it. 
I'm not saying something my own. She says, but we don't use it in an exclusive way as it is done generally because then there is an ascetic tendency to withdraw from life. So it is to be done. It's the one method which mother spoke of. But even that, when it is too strictly formulated, I've seen people just move the lips and continuing. Now, whatever, there's nothing wrong with those who want to follow that. But Sri is reminding us any practice, meditation. There are people to whom Sri has advised meditation. There is somebody who was here whom uh, the mother had told him to meditate. Can you imagine from what time? At 1.30 in the night. For three, three and a half hours. He himself told me, Devuda was here. Homeopathy, he knew. Pranavdas brother. He used to get up. And he used to meditate. And uh, my God, that meditation must have brought so much strength into him that when he was trying to go away from nursing home, I am trying to explain to him, please come back. I thought he will listen. He used to little bit have that rapport with him. But you can't hold him. That kind of meditation. But he had his own life, which if you look at his life, you will find it very difficult to understand. So, another, but another person, also whom I know, he used to teach hockey. And the mother told him, and he showed me in writing, you don't need to meditate. For you, work is enough. So you see, when we try to strictly formulate a technique which all must do, we lose the natural inner impulsion which should move us. So here he is reminding us at the very beginning. So there are people who conduct courses, standard courses. We must be very careful because there are no standard courses for everyone, for all the time, in even spiritual life. It's a free exploration where your energy is concentrated. That's why it brings the essence. For instance, aspiration. He doesn't say how you should aspire, focus here and then you know you imagine a flame. He doesn't say all that. You may do that, you may not do that. So here he is saying to be perpetually, one of those Mahavakyas which will come again and again, to be perpetually reborn is the condition of a material immortality. He has given us the secret of physical transformation of the deathless body because the body is constantly changing but very soon you will see that the body again goes back into habitual pattern. It changes, even our consciousness changes then goes into habit. Changes goes into habit. And again we flow backward. But to be perpetually reborn, to constantly renew oneself, it requires tremendous courage to start with. <laughs> Sincerity, courage, clinging to nothing except the one thing. And then he says, one of those... Uh, <clears throat> The world today, this is one of, again, my favorite. The world today presents the aspect of a huge cauldron of media in which all things are being cast, shredded into pieces, experimented on, combined and recombined, either to perish and provide the scattered material of new forms or to emerge rejuvenated and changed for a fresh term of existence. So we know who was Media was the famous Greek magician and she would make a broth through the magic spell. She would put all kinds of things and who was the person who Perseus? He was, she could uh, charm by her gaze and fix the person. That kind of power she had gathered. And this was one of the tasks given to Perseus. So we have this story of Media was one of those uh, uh, Jadugarni. 
magician. And then he says, Indian yoga, in its essence, a special action or formulation of certain great powers of nature, itself specialized, divided and variously formulated, is potentially one of these dynamic elements of the future life of humanity. Mark the words, one of, not the only one. It is one of the dynamic elements and then he reminds so beautiful, the child of immemorial ages, preserved by its vitality and truth into our modern times, it is now emerging from the secret schools and ascetic retreats in which it had taken refuge and is seeking its place in the future sum of living human powers and utilities. Emerging, 1914 Shubhind is writing. In 1960, yoga became a household term and today it has become a term internationally accepted. 1914. But, he reminds us, but it has first to rediscover itself. Bring to the surface the profoundest reason of its being in that general truth and that unceasing aim of nature which it represents. So basically, we are very proud of yoga. India gave yoga and everybody teaches yoga. Everybody wants to take up yoga. But what really is yoga? This is the first thing he reminds us. As I have shared this every morning, we used to go for cleaning and service in Shurabindu Bhavan to clean the place, the photograph, do jhadupucha, everything and then come back. So 5 o'clock, 5.30 we would go, come back by 6.30 or 7-ish. So one day I meet somebody in, in the lift, one another Air Force officer. It was raining heavily. So he used to see me going, um, regardless of anything. Both of us used to go, uh, myself and Kavita. And suddenly he saw and he said, uh, You go every day. I said, yes. He said, Kaha? I said, Hamara Shurabindu ka bhavan. We go there. Now you see, between the lift and the fifth floor. He says, Yoga karne jate ho? You go to do yoga? I was stumped. <laughs> Before I could say, He said, Ha, it is very good for exercise. It keeps you healthy. I didn't have a pot belly then. Otherwise, he would have said, What yoga you are doing? <laughs> I just simply by the time fifth floor, my house, this side, his house, that side, tata, bye, bye. So what really is yoga? We think a set of exercises. So Shivindo in the very next passage reminds us, in the right view, both of life and of yoga, because that's the chapter, all life is either consciously or subconsciously a yoga. Why subconsciously in a yoga? Yoga is union with our own highest self. What this union is meant to provide? Fullness. That's why Shubhinder speaks of integral self-perfection. Perfection is fullness, punata. We are incomplete. But still, even in this incompleteness, even imperfectly, even ignorantly, we are striving for completeness. Completeness of joy which is untarnished. Complete truth, there is no error. Love which is perfect, perfect, perfect. Mr. or Miss so-and-so who is God himself or herself. We are still seeking perfection. So here he reminds us that in life it is subconscious yoga. And conscious yoga is when we turn this ignorant ways. Even desire is impelling us towards that. Into a conscious yoga for which there are of course very different conscious means. But before we go to those, 
He says, for we, we mean by this term a methodized effort towards self-perfection. So at one place mother says that different avatars brought uh, different angles to the divine. So Krishna brought freedom and delight. Lord Rama got an illumined mind to master the animal and the slay the demon inside us. And uh, Buddha, he brought in this world compassion and liberation from the desire and ego self. Christ, she says, he brought compassion. So then he says, Vedic Rishis, he got, they got immortality. They were striving for immortality. What did Shurabindu bring? And then she says, perfection. Totality. But then she says something very interesting, but that's a different part. <clears throat> she says, but whether you do this or that or any of these angles, ultimately the first need of human beings is security. What a divine mother. And she says at every level, you are pursuing yoga. What is the security that you will arrive what is the security? When you fall, you will be protected. So there are time to time, for instance, Sri Krishna says, Yogshem Bahamiham, I am the security. So she takes us, that security is that divine love. But then, this is the first necessity, because otherwise, if we do it only by our own uh, method, this is the first necessity. And then the rest follows. So he says, Methodized effort towards self-perfection by the expression of the secret potentialities latent in the being and highest condition of victory in that effort. So, potentiality for yoga is latent in everyone. Every thinking creature is potentially. Mother at one place says, even I bow down to cats and dogs and I see them engaged in yoga. That's Divine Mother. So latent in everyone, because this strive for prog progress itself is a kind of, uh, you know, in ignorance effort towards yoga. Only we do not know that only this way it can be fulfilled. A union of the human individual with the universal and transcendent existence we see partially expressed in man and in the cosmos. And one of the examples from the Indian, uh, you know, scriptures is the Vishwarupa of the Gita where we see the individual fulfilled, Sri Krishna as the avatar who stands in the forefront. Then we see the cosmic form, Vishwarup. And then we see that on all sides it's escaping into some ineffable, luminous reality that has no end and no beginning. So we see the transcendent, we see the universal and we see the individual so beautifully revealed in the persona of Sri Krishna. So every yogi has to eventually arrive at this fullness. Why? Because individual liberation is not the only goal. The cosmic, there is a march of mankind. Even the collective fulfillment is part of our work. And this cannot be done unless we have discovered the freedom of the transcendent. So all the three must come together. But all life, when we look behind its appearances, is a vast yoga of nature who attempts in the conscious and the subconscious to realize a perfection in an ever-increasing expression of her yet unrealized 
potentialities and to unite herself with her own divine reality so this we have already seen spoken about it's all about evolution is a manifestation of the divine within but in terms of matter so it is inclusive unlike the perfection that exists in the divine in the divine ex- it exists sans creation but here the creation has to become perfect as the creator so there is a difference this is a challenging work <laughs> so to not only discover that perfection inside but to express it in life and matter and then he reminds us yoga as swami vivekananda has said may be regarded as a means of compressing one's evolution into a single life or a few years or even a few months of bodily existence so well this is uh, yoga it's a f- evolution fast forward how much fast forward can it go the mother affirmed that what has been said shri ramakrishna has said this other yogis also that in 3 days you can realize union with the divine and then she goes on to say and i am not speaking of just sitting in a concentrated way she says in even while you are leading the ordinary life you don't have to come out and you can realize it and shurbindo now we understand why 3 days shurbindo had arrived at nirvana of course he says in 3 days actually in one <laughs> that's how he puts it <laughs> in 3 days actually in one i had realized all that he was told was see thoughts coming from outside and even yogi bhaskar lele didn't expect this is going to happen so he says i saw them coming and i kept pushing them kept pushing them and my mind was free of vast universal intelligence so in 3 days so it can compress this is not about yoga of transformation she is speaking of yoga union as fundamental union with the divine right now he is speaking of that so this union with the divine can be realized discovery of the psychic being of course people say she has spoken about 30 years that's a context yes if you don't want to ordinarily little bit practice little bit it takes 30 years she has even said it won't do if 5 minutes of the day you while going you casually think about transformation and rest of the day so <laughs> different thing but basically yoga is conscious evolution and evolution fast forward and then he describes you know so basically why he has built this background is that nature is evolving possibilities which are latent inside how does nature evolve you have to catch hold of that process same thing has to be applied yogically so if you look at it nature evolves through concentration how does it concentrate it its typical method is crisis even chaos you know when chaos happens it's so interesting you suddenly feel the all that you held in has gone that's what chaos individual level chaos is that <laughs> all the things you held on to the virus and the vaccine and the doctors together <laughs> everything is gone so there is chaos even the conceptions of god that you held are gone now this is the time to be concentrated on the divine that's how she says when there is confusion all around just hold on to the divine and let the divine hold you so what happens it cons- so nature uses this process ordinarily you bring out your best there are two kinds of responses people give in a crisis either they 
are finished or they evolve. Now, nature doesn't mind. Majority will be probably, you know, wiped away. But nature doesn't mind. The few who take the leap are nature's big recompense. So, we see in typically in, in, uh, in these two movies, Hollywood and Bollywood. Uh, what is that southern movie is called? I want to use that name, but doesn't matter. <laughs> Tollywood. <laughs> so, Hollywood movies you will see what is it movie the other day uh, where water is coming to this level and everything uh, now you see they will suddenly the hero will bring out the best inside him in that crisis the uncharted and he will go deep stay you know without air suddenly he has practiced all the pranayam but in moment of crisis you know and he says he can do it. Now, what is Christ is doing? Bring out your best. Evolving your capacities in a little way. If the same thing kept happening, he'll become an aquaman. But that's a different story altogether. But in Indian movies, Hindi movies, there'll be a moment of concentration. Hey, Bhagwan, kyo nahi tum aate ho? And there'll be electricity, magic, lightnings. And they will be suddenly, you know, and the villain will be paralyzed. Things like that will happen. There are two approaches. But in both the common factor is intense concentration. So nature, what does it do? It uses these means. So here <laughs> he speaks about yogic methods have something of the same relation to the customary psychological workings of man as as the scientific handling. So again he says yoga, people say it's not scientific. He says very scientific. So what do you do in science? You learn to handle the forces of physical nature. That's how you have electricity. Electricity is there everywhere, in atoms it is there. But when you learn the method and the process, you tap it, that's all. So in yoga, there are psychological possibilities within us. The spirit is everywhere but involved in mind and the body. Now there are special processes, methods by which you can bring it out, that's all. There are conditions, just like if you know the right conditions, you can tap the electricity and now we know um, you can run your car with electricity. Similarly, if you tap the inner uh, psychological and spiritual forces, divine forces, you can change, transmute your usual habitual workings of nature. So this is the essential aspect that it is just like and then he says that just like in science, you keep on replicating and you have the results. So in yoga, you can keep on replicating. But there are conditions. Conditions apply. There is nothing like uh, just magic will happen. Uh, in fact, there is no magic. Even miracles have a process. Only when you know the process, you don't call a miracle. There is a little humorous thing uh, about Nirodha saying, Oh, God is all powerful. Uh, uh, but can he really change an ass into a man? He says, well, uh, regarding your ass, if he... If you discover the process, you can change an ass into a human being. But only thing is, you should know the process and you should be interested in doing this. Of course, why would God be interested? So there is a process here in this world. Beyond, in the self of the divine self, there is nothing. Processes means here, because the whole machinery and mechanism has come. And then he speaks about heart yoga, uses the uh, bodily uh, energies, um, then pranayam 
the life forces which are flowing through the human system it catches at the outer end which is the breath and then through the breath the life energies are flowing into the system so by regulating the breath it tends to regulate the flow of the life energies and in raj yoga you take up the mind and through the mind you uh, recombine our reactions and responses uh, we'll read about it when we come to the appropriate places so all this uh, then devotion everybody has loves somebody or the other people say that uh, we don't uh, bhakti nahi hoti i have heard people bhakti nahi hai hai wife ke liye hai <laughs> यू है भक्ति ये भक्ति फॉर द वाइफ या भक्ति फॉर द हस्बैंड या भक्ति फॉर द चाइल्ड या भक्ति फॉर योर बॉस एवरीबडी है भक्ति बट इट कम्स टू गॉड यू डोंट है भक्ति बिकॉज इट सीम्स सो इंटेंजिबल एंड नॉट समबडी हु विल गिव यू इमीजिएट रिजल्ट बट समटाइम्स गॉड थ्रोज ए बेट सो यू हैव है यू नो नॉट है तो की भक्ति बट सकाम भक्ति सो अर्थार्थी दैट्स वाई ही हेज थ्रोन दिस बेट ऑल्सो ओके आई एल गिव यू प्रोवाइड यू विद योर डिजायर्स इन द बिगिनिंग <laughs> the gita speaks of the four kinds of bhakti so sometime when you are unhappy with your life those whom you were doing bhakti when they <laughs> you know uh, throw at you all kinds of thing then you turn oh you are the one i wish i had known but after sometime says really and we say yes you are the one whom i want to love and connect always so, okay so then another <laughs> <laughs> cycle starts someone comes and oh no 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 <laughs> so this is how human consciousness progresses but it's not to be despised because human consciousness needs so many experiences to evolve that's how the mother says these illusions enlarge us because every time there is a little different angle through which you approach the problem of life so ultimately in yoga of knowledge you concentrate to know the one truth normally also we concentrate to know a truth in material science so what is this process so the scientist concentrates and he comes up with a eureka feeling ha ah, i got the formula here you concentrate i want to know the one self i want to know the truth behind all appearances naturally the concentration has to be much longer and much more intense but it pierces the veil and yoga of divine works where now you no more want to serve the outer masters but the one divine master so he says that it's all um is psychological process yoga primarily is a psychological process but as in physical knowledge the multiplication of scientific processes has its disadvantages as that tends for instance to develop a victorious artificiality which overwhelms our natural human life under a load of machinery and to purchase certain forms of freedom and mastery at the price of an increased servitude air condition ai robbing us of our even natural mental faculties to calculate and of course of di divine intelligence so it it is at a servitude so the preoccupation with yogic processes and their exceptional results may have its disadvantages and losses so you have to do bhakti this way navadha bhakti every day you must do kirtan this way only you should meditate this is disadvantage why because you lose the living contact who is bhakta who takes joy in the lord why should he have a process to enjoying he whom he loves whichever way whatever way why do you want to tie it or in knowledge a seeker after knowledge he may be taking a walk and his mind may be concentrated on the divine behind all appearances that's how shubindo had that great uh, realization 
So he says, when you do these exclusive practices, the yogin tends to draw away from the common existence and lose his hold upon it. He tends to purchase wealth of spirit by an empowerment of his human activities, the inner freedom by an outer death. This is what happens. Exclusive bhakti. So you do a service in a temple and you do that every day. Then you want to increase the hours of that kind of service. So then what happens after some time? During that time you are in contact with God. So I am personally, this might take when people say six hours in the ashram context. Six hours works is necessary. I say, what is this six hours work? <laughs> Everything is work. Every relationship, every person you are meeting, you are eating. Everything is divine service. If you don't keep that in, in the consciousness, then it's very nice. Six hours I have done my work. Now I am going to enjoy my life. But that's not. Even in enjoyment, that's how the Gita puts it. Yukta har viharasya. He's not saying that works means trained. Even when you are eating, you are going out, you are meeting people. Still it can be divine service. So when we have that fixed methods, they tend to, uh, you know, make us withdraw from life. But then you want only those methods. Therefore we see in India that a sharp incompatibility has been created between life in the world and spiritual growth and perfection. Even now people think material life and spiritual life. So they often ask that you know in ashram you have renounced the world and leading a spiritual life. I said who said we are leading a wonderful material life. What do you mean? I said see I have got a house which is as big as a you know my house can accommodate 2000 persons and every day in my house in the house which I inhabit, 2,000 people have food. Three times a day. Yeah, Olympic-sized swimming pool. What What are you saying? I say, yes. Of course, I sleep in one room and on one bed. That anyways, I will do that. I said, this is mother's house. <laughs> and everything is there. So, but you are not absorbed and engrossed into it. So this idea, even in that you discover the divine. Through that you discover the divine. And there is something very beautiful. At least personally, it, 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 I can share it. Like There was a time when I would connect best, when I would write, speak. First it was writing, then speaking. And I would just try to confine myself to these activities. So this is so wonderful. And he says, Achha, escapist. <laughs> And she put me in the middle of everything. I said, I have no choice but to discover her in everything and everyone. Because otherwise I can't. Life becomes divided. I start seeking this. Because I know that here I am not so well connected. She said, the solution is to get well connected here. And not to escape from this into that. So, this and that. As Rishi Yagwal says, the mother says, the age in which we are living is that. So strongly has the idea prevailed, so much has it been emphasized by prevalent philosophies and religions that to escape from life is now commonly considered as not only the unnecessary condition but the general object of nature. And now comes the master word. To avoid the life which is given him for the realization of that possibility can never be either the indispensable condition or the whole and ultimate object of his supreme endeavor. That's why Shubhinda said, Ashram is not a place to withdraw from life. It is a shram, it is a labor of another kind. 
of his most powerful means of self-fulfillment. It can only be a temporary necessity under certain conditions or a specialized extreme effort imposed on the individual so as to prepare a greater general possibility for the race. It can be a temporary necessity in certain conditions. The true and full object, now he brings the object of yoga. The true and full object and utility of yoga can only be accomplished when the conscious yoga in man becomes like the subconscious yoga in nature, outwardly conterminous with life itself. What a word he has used, you know. Check, sort of perfectionist. You know, sometimes you feel so wonderful, just, what a word he uses, conterminous. Let's see the meaning in the dictionary. I say, Coexist, we have heard. No, it cannot be coexist. It's like two things which are parallelly together. It is conterminous. It's almost interlaced into each other. Conterminous with life itself and we can once more looking out both on the path and the achievement say in a more perfect and luminous sense all life is yoga. So, um, of course, I won't be taking one chapter every day because then it's uh, long. But this one, because it gives the background. Then we will, of course, rush through more. Maybe two, three, two chapters, three chapters sometime, depending on. But this is the background of the synthesis of yoga, where he tells us what yoga is. What is yoga? He gives a general term. And actually, when you look at it like, how can you give a method or technique to this? How can you say when in real life you are dealing, then you have to write a Mahabharata or Mahabharata as Shivinda says. In every life situation, you can deal with it ordinarily or you can deal with it yogically. It literally means everything. How Not only how to wake up, how to eat, how to sleep, how to meet people, how to speak, how to listen, how to, you know, when you feel irritated, what should be your attitude, what should be your inner state. It's a constant process. So, All life is yoga. Namaste.